you know, I'd missed my shot to play uh, varsity or uh, college soccer. So then I was at a bar with my friends that I'd met and we got a flyer for women's football and a flyer for rugby. And we said, cool, there's four of us. So you two go to football and you two go to rugby. And my friends went to football and said it was lame and like <laughs> horrible facilities and no, no shade to the Oklahoma team that was just also growing at that time. Now they have a great foundation over there. And then my friend and I, we went to rugby and we were like, dude, come to rugby. It's so awesome. Like, I have no idea what's happening. I'm not afraid to try stuff and I'll run through walls to do things, right? So I don't care if it costs money. I don't care if it's this, like, I'm going to get a camera somehow. I'm going to bribe my parents. I'm going to get a camera and I'm going to point it somewhere and I'm going to convince some teammate to, you know, the 27th person on the sideline be like, dude, I'll give you 20 bucks if you just film this game. I mean, you just make stuff happen. It does it in my work calls where you're like really exuberant. You get like fireworks. It's so weird. I, so I, I talk with my hands, obviously, but you know, listening to Ricky. Uh, oh, look, first, it's about the interview. Know. Look, we're in entertainment, Wendy. This is what it does. Right. You don't even know what's happening right now. Yeah. Some AI is watching us right now. But, uh, you know. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. You are now tuned in to the greatest. The greatest of all. Welcome to the Rugby Swag Show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another great episode of Rugby Swag. My name is Gift, Gift, Time, and Baylor. And of course, this is a show where we talk about all the things happening around rugby and the people who have been able to take advantage of the opportunities that this great sport is able to provide. I hope that you guys are having a great one today. And of course, before we get started, I want to make sure that you guys remember to please like and subscribe to this video. Like this video. And of course, continue to watch us on the show so you can be up to date on everything that's going to be happening in terms of our interviews or what we're talking about in music. I want to make sure that you are in the news today. And of course, not only do we have our YouTube page, but I want to make sure that you guys are able to follow us on any and all platforms that we have. And of course, you can absolutely check us out on social media. We are on Instagram at Rugby Swag Show. You can find us on Facebook at Gift Time Rugby. You can find us on uh, Twitter at Gift Abelu, G-I-F-T-E-G-B-E-L-U. Uh, you can find us on TikTok at Gift Time Rugby. You can find us on Twitch at Gift Time Rugby. Y'all, I am so excited to be able to talk with you guys today, but I know that not everybody's going to be doing this through the video, so I want you to also know that you can check us out on the audio absolutely find us on any major streaming platform that's apple podcast that is spotify that is amazon music that is iheart radio and any major one that you find overtune i think is the name of one i always have to look at like the data and i always see these other ones that i'm not ever really sure about but if it's a major one and you're probably listening on it absolutely go check it or absolutely check us out at the website www.giftabr.com gifttimerugby.com www.gifttimerugby.com we have an amazing special guest to for you today i i, I am excited to talk about them uh this is the uh one of the major and one of the best bloggers of women's sports in the game not just in the u.s i'm talking about worldwide uh definitely top three hands down you know she's been at this for almost more than 10 years now almost what was it she said almost almost 
15 years at this. She is a major commentator for MLR, for Premier Rugby Sevens. She is a referee. She is a former player. She is an union administrator. Man, she's been in this game, changing the game bit by bit, and now has one of the most interesting women's news TikToks in the game. Yo, we got Wendy freaking young on the show today i hope that you guys are excited because i was excited to be able to talk to her i've known her for a while but i am not i'm not going to talk about it all in this intro because you know we have a whole great conversation to do it and we get to talk about where she started how she got started and where she's coming from and where she's trying to go to y'all it is absolutely absolutely worth it i hope you guys enjoy this and of course before we go into it want to thank the people who absolutely support us health enhanced foods y'all this is the specialty flour company that you absolutely want to know about they have the best bread mixes in the game and look in an era where we need to be more focused on what we put into our bodies especially if you're a participant in rugby and if you're a casual it's so that you can have the energy to be able to be a participant on the stands or behind the on the couch in rugby and with Health Enhanced Foods, they're bringing the best bread mixes. Y'all, you guys can absolutely check them out at healthenhancedfoods.com. That's healthenhancedfoods.com. And be able to get a marvelous, marvelous little discount from us utilizing code RUGBYSWAG. I'm going to talk about it a little bit more. But y'all, man, let me, get to these, let me get to these messages. And then we're going to bring you back with the Wendy Young. Check it out. I'm going to let you get back to the show in a moment, but I want to talk to you about our sponsors, Health Enhanced Foods, the best specialty flowers in the business. What does that mean for you? That is the flowers that allow you to be able to get the nutritious need from your bread made. That's muffins, bread, croissants, whatever, pancakes and muffins. It will give you the opportunity to be able to get the best while still being able to eat like you wanted to. We have various amounts of products available for those who have special dietary needs to those who are looking for a special health outcome and of course because they're part of the rugby swag show we want to let you know that you got a chance to go to healthenhancedfoods.com and use code rugby swag to be able to get 20 percent off your first order y'all this is something that you're going to need you got to build up have your energy at the best be the maximum it's 2024 let's do the best but now I want you guys to get into it. Let's get back to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another great episode of Rugby Swag. We got a special guest for you today. She is a WPL ref. She is a Oklahoma Hall of Famer. She is an administrator for Texas Rugby Union. But most importantly, we know her as the founder and one of the best rugby media people. And I'm not saying that just to be pandering. I mean that for the fullest. She runs... Your Scrum Half Connection, yo, this is the legend, the great Wendy Young. Wendy, yo, thank you so much for making it onto the show today. (laughs) Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to to share with your listeners, and um, the Rugby Swag Show is one of the best ones out there, so I'm happy to be on. You are too kind. I I appreciate you. I appreciate you for that. You know, look, I, I always like to talk about basically like one of those earliest stages of meeting, and, you know, with you on the, it was Texas Rugby Union, and actually, I'd actually known about your production when I was about to get started with Rugby Media back in 2012 was whenever I was starting to make the transition. 2013 is when I flipped over. 
And between you and Jackie, you guys had the most consistent rugby connection when it came to women's rugby, obviously. But I think it was even more standout because it was an American production because the only other one was um, the one that's out in England. And obviously they were very focused there. So being able to keep up and actually learn more about the South rugby, which was almost missing in 2009, 10, 11, 12, <laughs> at least up until like 15 from everybody else except for you. Uh, so I always really appreciated what you've done. And uh, I've always said that I've always believed that you are one of the truly key components of rugby history in USA rugby. So uh, my flowers out to you for that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. And I mean, I was thinking about this today and I've, I've, I've had the opportunity to tell my origin story a couple of times, but I wanted to like kind of distill it down to why I do it. And it's just what you said there. It's trying to understand the landscape is what drove all of it. Right. So I played in Oklahoma and I played in Austin. And so I knew my little bubble but, you know, one year we went to like D.C. Rugger Fest and I was like, oh, my gosh, there's so much rugby up on the East Coast. And then you go to Florida and there's so much rugby or you go to Utah and like but then you try to find those sites, like you said, back in 2009, 2010, there wasn't websites there wasn't Facebook was like nothing. So you couldn't find information about these leagues. You didn't know who was the best. So that's kind of what drove it was like, I want to understand and I want to put it in a frame that worked for my brain. So there's yeah. a little bit of selfishness there, too. <laughs> Look, I mean, and I, I think that's what we always want. Because again, don't we? You kind of build for what it is that you are looking for in yourself, yeah. you know. Yeah. So it's like, okay, uh, how do I? How would I attract me to be able to play rugby if I didn't know what was going on in the first place? All right. It's 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 the building blocks. But then when you start to, and I loved how you said with going to Rugger Fest in Washington, there's always that moment where we're like, oh wait, oh this is like for real, for real. Yeah. Oh, you guys, you guys been doing it. <laughs> Somebody hasn't been doing their job. Somebody hasn't, because yeah. I should have known this years ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, and those are tournaments, you know, and I mean, my first tournament I ever went to is New New Mexico High Desert. And my team, OU at the time, we didn't score any points. We got, you know, I think what like, halftime, one of the games, my coach, Holly Eicher, was like, we've had 120 meters in penalties. Like, stop getting penalized. And we're all like, well, what's a penalty? Like, I don't even know what I'm doing wrong. You know, we're all... It was like 18 rookies and two veterans, like poor, those poor vets, they stuck with us. But, you know, storied tournament. It's been around for almost 40, I mean, maybe 50 years. Right. Same thing with DC Rugger Fest. Like, and, you know, some of them were getting the word out. But like you said, it, it drove that, like, first, I want to understand what's out there. Who's the competition? And, of course, I started with college. And then I learned about club. And, you know, and then I learned about select side. And then, like, so funny, like, four years into my career, I was like, wait, we have, like, a national team? Like, who's the Eagles, you know? No. Like, so it's just crazy how as a young college kid, and I think it's way better now. I'm not trying to say it's the same. But back then, I think it was really hard to find those things um, and, and find connection. And so, I mean, that's honestly why I named it Your Scrum Half Connection was because I wanted it to be a connection point. No, I love that. I love that. Well, look, I want to continue on into it, but I want I always am about the origin story. I know you talked, you've told the origin story a few times, but this is the first time you're on this platform. So I will always say every hero has to have their origin story. Yes. So for you, Wendy, uh, for you, hope you're ready. How did you first get started with rugby? 
Yeah, and I, I don't know. I don't think we'll ever get tired of this because I think it's not that my story is the same as a lot of people's, but I think the spirit is the same. You know, I was a lifelong athlete. I played soccer and I, you know, got an opportunity to play uh, with scholarship in a, at a D2 college and it would have been in a small college in like Stillwater, Oklahoma or Tulsa. I can't <laughs> even remember. And I just was like, I don't want to play at a D2 college. I wanted to play D1 or nothing. And so foolishly, I was like, I'll just work. I don't need sports anymore. Like, I'm sure, I've played since I was four. I can do this. And, you know, I made it like three months and I was like, I don't like this. I miss my community. I need people. And, you know, I'd miss my shot to play uh, varsity or uh, college soccer. So then I was at a bar with my friends that I'd met and we got a flyer for women's football and a flyer for rugby. And we said, cool, there's four of us. So you two go to football and you two go to rugby. And my friends went to football and said it was lame and like, <laughs> horrible facilities and no no shade to the Oklahoma team that was just also growing at that time now they have a great foundation over there and then my friend and I we went to rugby and we were like dude come to rugby it's so awesome like I have no idea what's happening but I get to hit people and there's lots of women and it's exciting and it's at a university and like it was just like everything and I think and this is where like memory fades but I'm I think two or three practices and we went to our first game we lost of course and you know, there's a moment in the game where the, the two veterans that I mentioned, Ashley Parrish and Parrot and uh, Stacy Parrish, who are former Ruggers, uh, they were like mauling in front of us. And I'd been chosen to be scrum half. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. And the coach was like, just follow the ball and like then like throw it to people. And I was like, OK. So they're like in the ball. And like literally one of them like looks back at me and is like, get over here. And I was like, but do what? <laughs> there's like a cluster of people. And anytime I try to touch the ball, I get yelled at by the referee. Like. You know, but it didn't matter. We were just having fun. And, you know, that night we went camping um, with the other team. And that was so foreign to me. I'd come from a varsity soccer program that was pretty serious where, like, you play the game, you eat dinner with your team, you don't see the other team, and then right. you leave. And, like, you don't – there's no camaraderie. So it was very weird to me to, like, go talk to my opponent. And I had to, like, get over that, like, where it was like, yeah, I don't like you and whatever. Like, it was so different to, like, go camping. Right. And we sat around a campfire, and they were had a lot of rookies. And and we just kind of talked about our lives. And, I mean, I was we were hooked. My couple of friends and I, we were done. It was so perfect. So, you know, I, you hit a, a few things, and I, and I love that because I feel like, especially whenever it comes to that, that turnover into being, like, rugby fanatic almost – there's more so than what happens off the field than what happens on the field. I think as athletes in any other sport, you always kind of have a, you know, an, an automatic setting that goes to, all right, when I'm on the field, I might not know what to do, but I know I need to participate. I need to run. I need to compete. We're going to fight for something on, yeah. on the pitch. And that one makes the most sense. But when it flips to the other side and it goes to the cultural element of it, that's whenever it gets a little weird. I know for me, it was with pitch attempt, I think was where my flip over came where I was just like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is like college, but it's like, it's not. And everybody's cool. And like, you get to see this, this whole surrounding, of course, also being in a place that by no means in any kind of point in life would I have ever entered into that area. <laughs> no, It's a unique tournament. It's exactly a unique, <laughs> tournament, unique town. Yes. Yes. But, but by all intents and purposes, it was one that was like, oh, man, this makes sense. And now what we've done with the field has now connected over to what I'm doing with the community as a whole. For you, you spoke about uh, being in varsity soccer. And obviously, soccer is highly competitive. And regardless of whatever level you're going to, there's always a contention. Now, 
Was it something that you guys are you in like an athletic family? So it was a normality to have members be a part of it, or was it something that you were able to have the opportunity of going to school for for soccer and be able to play those high levels, even if you had the other direction? Yeah, my family, I would say, is somewhat athletic. My mom was a cheerleader and a gymnast. Um, at a, you know, at at a, I think maybe not through high school, so maybe just did it in her youth. Yeah. And then um, my dad and his family were always big hikers. So I'd say different like cardio levels there. And I would say, and my brothers, I have four brothers would agree with me. I'm the most athletic. So I somehow only female and somehow got all the athletic genes. You know, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> look, look um, the genes said, hey, look, look, we, we spread out enough. Look, let's contain this. All right. We got to hold the best of this right here. <laughs> and like middle child, like tomboy. Like, I mean, I think that just like a special little windy package happened. Um, and so my family was, my parents were very supportive, but with five children and my dad was in the military, he was in the air force. And my mom was trying to go to school after all the kids had kind of, you know, grown up a little bit, it was yeah. tough. And I think one piece that really drove me to the culture part was I really wanted to play like travel soccer. Like that was huge in uh, Oklahoma where, you know, you're, you go with a, you make a select side essentially. And then every weekend you're off playing in some classic tournament and uh, anybody in the soccer world would know. I mean, it's pretty much like doing Rhino sevens, right. Or like right. Uh, Phoenix seven, same thing. Like you just dedicate your summer to it and that's all you do. And it's expensive. So my parents weren't, we, I wasn't able to do that. And I think rugby was kind of like, oh my God, this is my traveling side and I'm going to drive to New Mexico and Kansas and Nebraska. And I never want to go to Nebraska again, but I went, <laughs> you know, and like, and, and go to pitch a tent and, you know, I'm, I'm 19 or 20. And my wife and I talk about this all the time that we were like leaders on our team and they just give you the keys to a 15 passenger van. And you're like, are you, are you I'll sure? 12 of my friends. Like, I mean, okay. Like, I, I guess, you know, like and the trust that we had on these college sides, like now I think it's completely different. You have to like take a program and like sign up and all this, but it literally was like, okay, take your teammates and go to Little Rock. And you're like, okay, where's that? Like, you know, so. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, you know, and, and that, again, it goes back to like it, it, that opening of the door into this other arena where, you know, you, you, you know, life, you know, you have these segments, you know, your people and you have your freedoms. And then you enter into this where it's like, wait, you're giving me a responsibility. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to have this responsibility. <laughs> We're having a lot of fun. Are we supposed to have this much fun with it? Okay, you know what? I'm just going to roll with it. I don't know yeah. what's going on, but we're going to go with it. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and, and the experiences, you know, like, I mean – the few times that we truly were like possibly in a little bit of trouble. Right. And I'm not even talking like afterwards of games, like maybe just speeding on the way to a tournament. Cause you left late. Right. But yeah, you had to be a leader. You had to be responsible for your mates. You couldn't leave somebody at a gas station. I mean, maybe that happened and you have to double back the one time, but it's interesting to think that you're a young adult and then you have so much responsibility, but then you would go to this tournament and have such familiarity with all the people were all there for a common goal maybe it's not to win. Maybe it's just to show up and have fun and experience life and meet new people and meet your girlfriend or your boyfriend or whoever you want to meet. And I mean, that was just so, I think it just fit the puzzle piece of what I kind of missed as a young, younger, a younger kid. Yeah. So let me, so when you got into Oklahoma and you started playing with the rugby team, obviously you guys you said you had that first game. Uh, what, what was it that prevented you from being like, you know what? This isn't for me because being put at scrum, like I'll put at flanker. All I had to do was just go hit. Like they're just <laughs> like, just, just go hit. Don't even worry about the ball. If you do just, it's okay. Just, just hit. But at scrum half, you actually have to process it through and you're two practices basically into it. 
What made you realize on that pitch you're like, I need to continue doing this some more? Yeah, I mean, I think it, you know, I don't know if I have a moment that I can like pull out, but I, I always enjoyed being a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, I, w- soccer in my younger years, I played in the forwards and loved to score goals. But then eventually towards uh, the latter part of my career, I played a lot of defense and I played in the center position. So you're not always the captain, but you're the, the it's like the fullback. You're kind of the fulcrum in the back and you make sure everything's happening. Right. And then you know, you're communicating to the front of what's happening and all of that. And I enjoyed that. And I think it, it allowed me to see the whole field. It allowed me to see what's happening. And I think it just naturally kind of turned into the scrum half position where, yes, you're close in on the ball, but you're so responsible for what's happening in front of you. What's the defense doing? Do we need to get quick ball to the backs? Do we need to, you know, kick over the top? And of course, your teammates help you with some of that. But, right. you know, as a scrum half, I took a lot of that on. And I really liked being able to manipulate defenses. I think that was much later, probably two or three years in, right? But right. understanding the, you know, my nickname for a long time was Scooter because I loved that scoot where you would drag that post with you and then just dip that pass back in. Nice. That was my favorite play because I could manipulate and then you've got that prop running through free 50 meters and you're just like, I did that, you know. Um, so I liked, I think, the leadership and I liked having a little bit of control, <laughs> control mm-hmm. freak here. So <laughs> look, look, pure point. Like I, I call it pure point guard behavior because it's like, look, as long as I know where I can go with the direction of it, we're good to go from there. You know, who for you, who was your old coach at, at that time that uh, allowed you to be able to have that 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 learning ability? And if you don't mind me asking, were you one that watched a lot of like film and stuff? Because women's rugby wasn't exactly the highest filmed concept at the time. So for you, like, I guess I'm basically asking, you know, what what helped you be able to progress that that scrum um, knowledge, scrum half knowledge? Yeah, I think my, you know, my first coach was Holly Eicher, who still coaches at OU. Like she's been there so long and it's just a dynasty there. And then Tracy Curtis, who was also herself a scrum half, Holly was a prop. And so I did spend quite a bit of time with Tracy, but we had a lot of resources also from the men's side um, that would come and help us. And then, you know, one time, I can't remember the year, but I was maybe 21 or 22, just happened to have the Western all-star senior team come try out at our field. So we came out and we're like running water and helping them and stuff. And I saw who the scrum half was. And I can't remember. I can see her face. It's probably Anna Kunkel or Angie Crane more honestly, you know, saw them and was like, oh, wait a minute. Like they're really like doing some stuff that I think I could do, you know, so you see those role models that came before you. And then like you mentioned, uh, we tried to tape our games and I would say I probably didn't get consistent taping or ability to watch myself until I moved to Austin in 2006 or 2007. So I went like five years with maybe every once in a while watching film. Um, I do remember watching the 20, uh, 2006, was it Johnny Wilkinson kicked the drop goal? Was that 2007? Seven. Yeah. And then 2010 was the first world women's world cup. Yeah. That I went to. So yeah, I remember watching that at the clubhouse and being like, I could kick like Johnny, like, cause I was a soccer player and I was like, I knew I could punt and I right. kind of worked on drop kicking, but I was like, dude, I want to do that. Like, that's <laughs> so cool. You know? So I started to watch film more. Um, and of course we started with men's rugby. That's just right. what was available. Um, and then when I moved to Austin, I'd been doing a years come out connection for a while and had started filming matches and doing a little bit of commentary as well. So made it a really big point that we had to film everything. Um, teams that visited us when we went somewhere we filmed um, and that just became another way to get better at your game as well. Oh, 
Okay, so when it comes to the filming stuff, so I remember in, for me, 2012, 2011, trying to film club games, and that was pure and utter hell to be able to ever find anybody to do it. And when we got it, it was good, but couldn't ever get any consistency. You're talking about 2006, 2000, what, 2005, 2006, 2007, trying to be able to find that. What was it, like, was it, were you already trying to do things in media beforehand? Like, obviously you were doing Scrum Half Connection, but was were you already doing it for school? Or was this something that you were just like, okay, I've seen it in other sports and uh, I want to get a look at myself and get the big ass camera that we have to still have yeah. at the yeah. time with the, even the little cassette tape. Or... Yeah. yeah, ours was little cassette tapes, yeah. Uh, and then like quickly, I think we got to like SD cards right out, like luckily, like thank God. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's funny. I was on another podcast and it was about just like uh, recognizing your superpower. And, and I yeah. didn't really know my superpower until I was on that call with uh, CJ Hildreth, a former Eagle. But, um, you know, he helped me understand that, like, I'm not afraid to try stuff and I'll run through walls to do things. Right. right. So I don't care if it costs money. I don't care if it's this like I'm going to get a camera somehow. I'm going to bribe my parents. I'm going to get a camera and I'm going to point it somewhere and I'm going to convince some teammate to you know, the 27th person on the sideline be like, dude, I'll give you 20 bucks if you just film this game. I mean, you just make stuff happen, uh, you know. No, I, that's real. And I look, again, it goes back to you leadership and forward and what you've done on this, uh, as a scrum half. Like, it's, hey, if I can control the direction, let me go ahead and see what I can make the most out of this situation. That's really dope. That's really, really dope. Uh, you know, and like I said, even in, in 2011, 2012, whenever it was like, I never understood why there hadn't been more. And, you know, we're starting in the rise of Facebook at this point. So, what, 2008 is whenever Facebook turned over from college over to everybody. So, like, yeah. you're starting to see those pop-ups. And it was like, why are there not more people posting? Why do we have more empty game, um, empty posts or dead sites or whatever? So, being able to find that was a difficulty, um, you know. With with that process of getting it in, getting into Austin, like what, did, like did you have basically a an objective for you going from Oklahoma to Austin for was it rugby? Was it just outside of that? Was was it just like I've seen them before? Like what was the objective that you had in the end with them? Yeah, at that time I was trying to get onto the Eagle squad. Um, I don't remember if I was on the A team yet, or I'd been to a couple camps, I think. And mm -hmm. the coach at that time was encouraging players to move to, uh, you know, larger cities with larger teams. Right. And Austin was obviously the closest. And at the time, I finished. They finished third or fourth, or maybe fifth at nationals. And so I was like, you know, I can go to Boston, which is like three days of driving, or I can go to San Diego, which is like I don't even know how far that is, you know, or I can go to Austin and. No, we had Meredith Ottens and Jennifer Joyce and Meg Pace and some really big names down here, current Eagles. And I moved to Austin and they all kind of retired. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, not all of them, but like they kind of were like, cool, that was that was a great year, everybody. Let's let's just take a break. And it was like, what the like guys? Like, like you know, guys, 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 wait, wait for me. All right. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> and it was fine. We had Austin had a great team. And we picked up some really good, you know, Austin has a great grad student program and the men benefit from that too. So you'll get players that play all through college and then come to Austin and get into the grad program and then want a club team. So, I mean, it was great. Um, and it was, you know, everything I needed, it was a team that I was able to grow on because I was thought I was hot, you know, the word and was 
always a very uh, cocky player. Uh, maybe still have some of that, but you know, I mean, thought you know, I was the one. Confident. You know. Yeah. So. <laughs> Look, whenever you're beasting through people, is that confidence? I get it. Yeah. You know. I- I talked to Coma Gandy Fishbin about this uh, whenever she was tr- doing her stuff with the USA rugby team back in the 90s. And, you know, for her, she was talking about how, um, I guess, free it was in uh, San Diego and then just the ability of of just the looseness of getting onto the team while simultaneously try- how serious it was of a team. For you in Austin, because, again, even though Austin – it has had a great program for a long time. We're still talking about the South when rugby is very, very coastal. You're either New mm-hmm. York or you're California and almost yep. nothing in between with a little bit of Colorado. You know, yep. what was even what was your perspective then of the the standard of rugby that happened in Austin and in Texas in that time that also would allow you to be able to say, okay, maybe I'm Eagle ready. Yeah, I think, you know, at Austin at that time, we played in the CR2, which was like the central region. So we played against, I don't think we played any Texas teams because Houston wasn't a thing yet. San Antonio had folded after a couple of years and they were a great team. And then the half moons were fantastic. So once I came, we played with uh, Kansas City, the Jazz, we played with Detroit, we played with North Shore, we played Chicago, and I feel like there was somebody else in there. So we kind of played up and down uh, the Midwest, Don't which was a lot of traveling. Yeah, it was a crap ton of traveling, but it raised the level, and it was I really think it was what we needed at the time. I mean, it was hard. You know, my wife and I, we scraped pennies, and our, our whole team, everybody scraped pennies to get three or four flights a season, which was very difficult. And, you know, a lot of my teammates drove. Like, they drove all the way to Detroit. They drove all the way to Chicago. Um, but it was the level we needed to play at. And I think Midwest needed us and we needed them because what we were finding is when we went to national all-stars, the step 15s and we would play, like you mentioned, Pacific would beat us hundred to zero. And we had the best of our whole region. Everyone was so good. We had Eagles on our team and they would whoop us. And then Midwest, same thing. They would just like, we had never played rugby before, right. you know? And so we needed to raise the level. And so I think that central region, region league, and then some years we had Colorado in there, and that was good with uh, – at that time they were Glendale and uh, Black Ice and all of them. You know, getting that competition, so getting outside of your region was mm-hmm. key for the women. And it's interesting when you look now that there is still some of that happening. But right. then if you look on the East Coast, like that East-South Coast, that, that name awesome. just throws me. But it's like a conglomerate of like Empire and Mac and Atlantic. It's a great league, and they are dominating. I mean, besides Seattle – in San Diego, who are doing very well, you know, they are doing very well over there. Nova, those teams are consistently top four, top six. So I think they've figured out that, for, unfortunately, for women's D1, travel is the way to go for now. Right. And I, I, obviously, I think we, we, we see that even within D1 across board. Like, the issue has always been, can you find enough games within the region when it comes to the South? Always consistently. Yes. Has there yeah. been enough games? Now, at the same time, like you said, you you said before, you were doing YSC at the mo- same time. How did that one help with your idea and scope with rugby? Because I know for me in 2013, when I started realizing how many teams and now trying to find the best way to study about them so I could understand and do predictive behaviors and et cetera like that, it made it a little bit less – it made it a little less surprising what people could do, but it was still very difficult to find information. For you, you're talking about, again, on the women's side, 
literally middle of Facebook era. Yeah, <laughs> little middle. Yeah. I, I want to emphasize it for everybody. Like Facebook yeah. was not wide open. Right? Yeah. And, this, and I don't know. I mean, we had iPhones, but they were like the first one too. So you're not shooting video. You're taking crappy pictures. Like exactly. Yeah. We still yeah. got the razor flip phone or or the yeah. Nexo flip to be able to <laughs> right. do anything. <laughs> yeah. So for yeah. you, how are you basically keeping up with all this, and how did that impact the way that you were playing? Yeah, I think, you know, I had a blog, which was blogger.com, and it's now like been absorbed by WordPress 100 times over. Um, so I started with a blog. And so I would write match reports about my games. And then I branched out to covering like the CR2 because we were playing those teams. So then I did like a series on North Shore and then I did a series on the Jazz and just was like they started this year and they were typically do this well. And you just tried to figure it out. And then other areas uh, started reaching out and saying, you know, can you do the same thing for me? And at the time, there was Jackie Finland with mm -hmm. uh, Rugby Magazine. And then there was also Saturdays of Rugby Day, uh, Blondie as well. And she was very uh, West Coast. Right. So she kind of did her thing too, right? So we had a couple of us that were kind of trying to like get the pieces together. I, I think it was a, like a, you know, that we were getting the GUs. So the geographical unions was kind of happening with USA Rugby. You know, 2009, I got my, the first, I was the first GU admin for USA Rugby. So being paid to do uh, admin work. So I think it all kind of just like started to roll together to where it was like, I need to understand what's going on so that I as an admin understand. And so then I was pretty heavy into men's as well, trying to understand all of that as well uh, right. with a special affinity for women's, right, of course, but just trying to understand it all. And I'm a super visual person. So there was a lot of like whiteboarding and, you know, I mean, Microsoft Paint, like just using things to understand the lay of the land, you know, and by then I'd been playing for you know, seven years or so and eight years. And so I understood everything and just wanting to then spread that around and help people understand. Because like you and I would go to pitch a tent and go right. to all these great tournaments in the South. Um, there's one in Atlanta. It's like a, a Shamrock tournament, right. like in great Savannah. tournaments. Savannah. Yeah, thank you. Great tournaments. And then you go to a Champagne Classic in California and be like, man, there's this great tournament in Savannah. And they'd be like, what? What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. So it was that just like trying to get teams together, you know, because they would say, Champagne Classic would have the women's championship, but you're like, but there's only California teams there. And then Texas came and it's not championship, yeah. you know? So that's just where it started. I think was, I was like, we've got to understand the landscape and understand all the weirdness. Cause it was weird. And it still is weird. Like, like, look at the colleges. I oh. <laughs> stopped covering the two swear word confusing. I can't do it. Right. Like I don't have time in the day to understand it. So I just don't. And I wish I could because they are great programs. Right. But again, it, it goes into the chaos. But, you know, as, as anything else, I, I think as some I mean, that, that's a conversation I want to talk about a little bit. Later. I'm, I'm, <laughs> right. I, I want to get the segment with sequence first and then we'll go into the, that one. But, you know, it, it 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 speaks a lot to that ability to be able to jump around and being able to scrape. I If I'm going to ask, were you doing other things other than an, a Scrum Half Connection for work? Were you marketing or was it just like restaurant or were you working corporate? Like what, what was it that was facilitating? Because I think a lot of people don't realize, or they do, but they probably don't. Like whenever you do the media stuff, it literally is 100% your time while also simultaneously you have to do 100% of everything else uh, simultaneously. So for you, like what, what was the the balancing act that allowed you to be able to maneuver the best that you could. Yeah. I mean, I worked all through school and playing rugby and I would say my school was not great. Mm. I was in, I, I have a bachelor's and it took me nine years to do it. 
Um, hey, you just said, I want to take the scenic route. I'm here for the experience, baby. And those student, those student loans made, made sure I could play rugby. Like I went on trips and played rugby and didn't pay my rent, you know? So I have worked since I was, had left my house. Right. So I moved out pretty early. I chose to move out, um, and just worked and then found rugby and just had to make it work. Um, you know, I was single a lot cause I was obsessive about my website and, um, it did help me meet people and meet women, but, um, you know, I eventually did meet my wife, Tracy, and she has been just an absolute partner, you know, where we go on a vacation and I'm like, but, but there's like a sevens tournament in New Zealand and I have to cover it, you know, and like, I have to do this. I can't not do it, you know? So she's been very supportive. And then, you know, having my son changed that balance completely. And at the time I was trying to be a very high level referee. Um, I'd stopped playing in 2011. So then I was trying to become a, a, a good referee, a great referee. Um, so the balance was always a challenge, I'll be honest. And I worked full time the whole time. I've always had a, you know, a corporate job. Um, since, since I moved to Austin, I got my first like corporate job. Um, and so I, did have jobs where I had a lot of free time and I had very understanding bosses. So appreciate all y'all bosses that were really understanding. They come and that is like, Wendy, right your there. website up again. Like, what are you doing? You're supposed to be doing tickets or whatever, you know? <laughs> um, so it's been a balance and I'd say a lot of late nights and a lot of early mornings, but it's, I, you know, during COVID, I was like, maybe I'm done. Maybe, maybe I'll stop YSC and find someone to pass it off to and just take a break and maybe I can take a back seat that didn't last very long. It was like 30 days and all of us missed rugby so much. And, you know, so I've had to just adjust what I do. Um, now I've got much more high pressure job um, with a lot more commitments on me and expectations to where that's why I just do pretty much a post a week and maybe a couple of other ones sprinkled in there. Um, so it's not the daily posting that I used to do or two or three times a day. I was crazy, but um, the balance I think has been very important to my well-being and my family's. No, I and I, I love that because one, I'm about to be in the position yeah, as a future father. So like trying oh, to find that, that makes it, thank you. Trying to find that 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 balance of of rugby and rugby media really on yeah. trying to be able to, you know, get those balances together. But you know, you spoke about like what happened for 2020 and that like moment of trying to figure out whether or not this is to continue or not. And I feel like we've all had I remember for me, I think my first one came after 2018 to HBCU rugby classic where I, uh, I burnt out completely mm -hmm. after yeah. uh, organizing that great event, but my whole body shut down, like literally went blind for a week because the stress was just so heavy. Oh. <laughs> and so just went out. And so like, I think for basically three years, I was just, it was a classic and then I wasn't doing very much else. Uh, and then kind of came back to it 2021 when it all really sat back again. But it's like those those key moments of realizing why you you do it. And for you, you you've spread across multiple arenas, right? You know, you talked about already being a ref. Now you're a commentator, you know, and you've been you're a Texas admin, which I guess uh, uh, associates with the GU admin. So as you've been able to determine this process of who you are as a media person, like how has the selection of opportunity been for, for you? Has it, has, is it something that you've been intentional about or is it something that it presents itself and you're just like, all right, let's go give it a shot. Hey everybody. This is just the break train sitting out a personal little video direct to all you people out there where I am going to document me riding most of the way 
between Singapore and Tokyo for the 2019 Rugby World Cup. It's number one is because um, it's part of my business. I do Rugby Lovers Guide to Asia. Number two is I want to bring a lot of exposure to the to the rugby clubs and the rugby NGOs and charities. Also, on a personal level, I just want to break uh, the funk off kind of felt I've been into for the last 10 years. So for the next 12 months, I poured myself into the Singapore to Tokyo campaign, but it still wasn't enough. I needed help, and it came from Louisiana. We in Singapore, baby! Gift from Gift Time Rugby USA is an extroverted tour de force. Say hi to my people out there. Which makes up for my um social shortcomings. This place is unbelievable. No! It's not just it's like What's he supposed to do? Morons, a bunch of morons. Guys, picture with me. Picture. Australian. G'day mate. Can you use my phone? But what unites us is a hunger for adventure. After KL, Kuala Lumpur. Fuji, baby! Our love of Asian rugby culture. One, two, three, Central! Yeah! Rugby is, is starting to develop here in Cambodia for women as well. Valkyries, the mighty, mighty Valkyries! And allows us to overcome incredible, incredible obstacles. It's just got so thick. It's just so thick here. Now it's pouring down rain again. But coming to this Thai-Cambodia border has renewed all the aggression. So the whole thing's gone buggered. I got hit. What? I got Thailanded by a motorbike. I can just feel that knee, that ankle just going in all the wrong directions under the weight of my body. But that, that doesn't compare to the pain of, of failure. I'm dying. Oh, I'm dying. And that's what I've been worried about this whole time. We're out here, we're running out of energy, we're running out of money, and we're feeling isolated. And yet at that critical moment, friends, family, sometimes complete strangers, come on board. Before you know it, we're back in the game. Tokyo, here we come. Making a comeback. Four weeks, 2,300 miles. Malaysia, Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam. After all the trials and tribulations, this ride had become deeply personal. All that mattered now was getting to that Rugby World Cup game in Tokyo. Watch the full adventure at crugby.vhx.tv. That's C like S-E-E rugby.vhx.tv. Hey, buddy. All right. Be easy. Yeah, it's a great question. And I want to compliment you on the HBCU stuff. I think that is absolutely fantastic. I'm such a supporter. Um, you know, I finally got to see uh, Roots play, Roots Rugby play at Freetail Sevens. And I, I'd seen video of them and it was so awesome. And then to be at the WRCRA and see the heritage exhibits with Roots and Backyardigans. And I mean, that's just, I think that's just absolutely awesome. So thank you for your uh, contributions there. And I'm glad you have your site back. <laughs> <laughs> sacrifices you know <laughs> <laughs> for sure um all right so choosing the things that i wanted to do um 
I would say, you know, I started the commentary in 2011 when Alex Williams, who was the USA Rugby High Performance Women's, the first um, uh, director, she asked me and Tracy to come film some games um, at the LA 7th Invitational. The women played outside, the men played at UNLV. And so they wanted to film those games. And so we bought a camera and we bought a Firewire, which I'd never heard of. It was some cable that could like plug into your camera and then into your computer and you made magic happen. And so we just filmed games. The first year we just filmed. We didn't talk. We didn't have a, I didn't even have a microphone. And then the next year, Alex or someone, I think it was a fan. I really think it was a fan was like, because we always sat on YouTube. So you could like chat and be like, yeah, the scores, whatever. So you would give updates on chat. And I think they were like, well, could you just, you know, start talking over it? Like, just talk. And I was like, well, I don't even have a microphone. Like I didn't have anything. So then I literally just stood next to the speaker on the camera and like yelled into it. <laughs> And then like the next year we got uh, Nicole uh, from Penn State came and was like, here's a sound box and this is how you use a microphone. And she like taught us how to do it, right? Like, so we found people that helped us and my brother, uh, my older brother came and filmed for us. And so he got um, to come to go to California and he loved California. And so he would film for us and then Tracy would come and she did a lot of the um, gathering of players. Like she was really good at helping make sure I've got the player for the interview or whatever. And so I started talking over it and you go and listen to those <laughs> those uh, broadcasts and I had no rosters. So I knew no. most of the USA team and I knew no one else, right? <laughs> like I knew Maple Leafs A, I was like, is that even Canada? I don't even know where that is, right? Like, and we got no information. So you'd be like, I think there's a Japanese team here and I don't know what their name is. I don't know who the coach is, right? So you're literally just like, look at her go. She's so fast. Like, so it's just horrible commentary, right? But it was what we had at the time. And so then right. the year after that, we did it for like five or six years. And then we did some 15s events. We did the USA Canada and we did under 20s. Uh, uh, an event in Santa Barbara that was fantastic. And it got better every time we got rosters and we got interviews. And then we started doing like B-roll. Like I had to learn what that was and, yeah. you know, all these things. So that was the beginning. And so it was very much, again, like let's buy a camera and figure this out and help Alex was the motivation. Right. And we got free trips to go to rugby, which is what we wanted. Nice. And then I took a break for a while because it, um, USA Rugby changed tactics, they changed you know, directors and they went in a different direction. And we did try to do some live streaming, uh, but it was expensive. I know you know. Like, I, Look, I, I always tell people like, I, I'm very happy of when I entered into rugby and rugby media at its time in, in 2013, 2014, because it was literally at that pinnacle where technology was just shifting to be yep. accessible to the average person versus yeah. having to use whether like the fire wire like that stuff was a guap to be able to pay for like the firewire or even trying to find good mics and yeah. all that like that was legitimate effort i don't think anybody yeah. will really express uh, re really understand who's not in it how much effort it was so when i got started you know for i think it was like a thousand bucks, a couple thousand bucks was able to try and get that first entry in. And yeah. as basic as it was, like a live stream is a live stream, no matter what you call it. Like yeah. it changes the game altogether. Yeah. But yeah, no, no, it it over over time. Don't get me wrong; it's the price went back up again, but like it was oh, yeah. accessible. Yeah, but the expectations of what they have to have to be a production now is. I mean, our investment was probably five grand, and it was a camera, a couple mics, a soundboard. Yeah. You know, and and you go look at it, and it's grainy as shit. Sorry, yeah. I cussed. It's grainy. It's, okay. it's horrible. Is, we're allowed to do that. We're allowed to. <laughs> okay, <move>. okay. <laughs> it's so bad, right? And now the production is just crystal clear. But yeah, you're gonna pay tens of thousands of oh, dollars exactly. for that style of production. 
Um, so I took a break for a couple of years and then, you know, I, I don't remember exactly when it was, but I did some more USA stuff and I did some uh, club things and I started to just kind of be like, you know, I, I really think I like this and I think I like talking about rugby and um, I noticed that they were starting to put more women on the broadcast. This was like two years ago. Yeah. And so at the time I was involved in the MLR. So I was a technical zone manager for the Gilgronies in Austin mm -hmm. and was loving it, you know, uh, always on the sideline, um, you know, being, having a relationship with coaches and, and getting to know the players and then just being involved in rugby, still exciting. But then uh, the Gilgronies went away, like sad face. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember sitting down with my wife and being like, I, I think I want to try this. I think I can do it. And the MLR only has sideline, and at the time they had one play-by-play uh, -play analyst. So Kim was there, um, Bree, Bree Kim was Brianna the Kim, uh, yeah. analyst. Yeah, and so I was like, I think I can do this, and I was like, and I, I think I want to do play-by-play. -play. I, I want to put my name out there, and I want to try to do this because if you looked around at the time, it, it's like the NFL and the MLB, all of them start the women on the sideline, and then right. they move them in, right? right? And they usually stop at analyst. And I was like, I'm only going to do it if I can be play-by-play. Right. And that was the conversation we had. And I was like, so are we good? Can I do this? Because you have to ask, right? You have to have conversations with your family. Lucy. <laughs> or you should. You mm. should. <laughs> sure, yeah. You know, words are said. Yeah. Exchange happens. But yeah. no, that that going into the play-by-play. -play, and I know for me, I, I've, I, I, when it came to the commentator stuff, it, it has always been a very big hit or miss for me in, in terms of like you do the play by play and can either get lost in repetition because I know it, you start getting mm -hmm. hit by saying the same things over and over yep. or you're on the, the, on the, you know, color commentator side and you're really like, do I have the information available yeah. to be able to make a authentic and justifiable analysis of what's about to happen right here. And I, I remember at least at the time, uh, it seems weird, but I give all the credit for the opportunity, but you'd get like people on the comments that would be like, yo, you need to calm him down. He needs to do <laughs> much. And I was like, eh, I don't know. I don't know if this is for me, but on the flip side, whenever I'd have commentators like Liz Entwistle or I'd have uh, some of the other guys being able to do it, like the significance of knowledge that goes in when you're really, a, when you really know those players, based off of either you recruited them, you played with them, you've been uh, spectating them for a while, made it something like something legit to watch. I, I, I prefer producing it in the back end. Mm. You know, for you, what what continued to like, what continues, because you're in it, what continues to like spark you about like doing the play-by-play -play and doing yeah, the comedy? Yeah, and I have to say, I um, MLR took a big chance on me. Right. Yeah. They absolutely did. And they were very kind. We did several trainings and Mark Sabina helped me a lot. He came in and we did like dry runs and we went, went through it. And, you know, the first time I did it, the guy, um, Jimmy was like, uh, Wendy, slow down. This is not <laughs> baseball. We're not pitching, you know? And so I totally talked way too fast and way too much information. And so for me, um, what keeps me going is, you know, just hearing the 2023 rugby world cup and hearing Ricky Swanell. Well, I don't like those animations. Do you, does it show on your side? It does show on my side. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hate that. Yeah. It does it in my work calls where you're like really exuberant. You get like fireworks. It's so weird. I, so I, I talk with my hands, obviously, but you know, listening to Ricky. Uh, oh, look, first, it's about the imaging. Know. Look, we're in entertainment, Wendy. This is what it does. Right. You don't even know what's happening right now. Yeah. 
some AI is watching us right now. But, uh, you know, watching Ricky or listening to Ricky, you know, first female play-by-play for a Rugby World Cup, like, so awesome. And, like, obviously I want to be her. Like, so so want to be her, you know. And But listening to them and their ability to bring the narrative. Because I've got the rugby knowledge. I have 20-plus years, right? Like, I've got it. And I can talk about it. But listening to them be able to speak a narrative, so telling a story about a player while keeping you engaged in the action of the game, and yeah. not feeling like, get back to the game. Why are you talking about that? Like, come on, you're annoying me, commentator. I think that's what's my, now I'm like, okay, I want to be smooth like that. Because I know I'm not down Stanford. I'm not going to have the one-liners. That's not right. me. That's a very unique talent that he is exactly. so spectacular at, right? right? That's not me. So I'm going to lean on my experience and my narrative ability um, to engage the audience and bring them in. And so I think that's what's really driving me right now is um, I want to continue to break the glass ceiling always, right? That's always mm-hmm. going to be what I want to do. Mm-hmm. But then I want to be one of the best. And I want to be one um, that they will continually come back to because I bring um, enough engagement to the game. No, I love that. You know, and okay, I'm going to go into a little bit of nerdism right now when it comes to that. So whenever you started, as you've been able to continue progressing as a commentator, have you noticed even the cadence of your voice change whenever you're doing in day-to-day conversation because of the fact of doing the commentating and hearing it back? Yeah, it definitely does. And I I noticed I just did it. Today. I did my video this morning and I noticed that when I'm finishing a thought, I almost put like an emphasis on the end. So I'll be like, like today I was like, and the Perth seven pools are out and Australia's going for their third back to back. And I'm like, but why'd you do that at the end? What are you doing? You know? Um, but yeah, it's just like watching yourself as a player or a referee, right? So you listen to yourself back and you're watching the film and you're like, okay, at that moment, I didn't recognize that maybe, uh, you know, the Gilgroni scored. Stop it! The Gilgronis. <laughs> <laughs> you have Hilarious. an incredibly yeah. encouraging. It's incredibly encouraging. It's like, hey, good job. You, you, you did so good there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but understanding the like nuance of what's really happening. So someone has just scored, and then someone drove 80 meters and scored again. So understanding the critical moments in a match is also what I need to continue working on instead of just talking about what's happening in front of me, because you can do that. That's easy as play by play. They scored great. The score is this, but then being able to quickly think in your head and go, Oh my gosh, that puts them four points ahead. So now the other team can't just kick. They have to score and they'd really like to convert, like to be able to do all of that. Like I'm still learning that skill and that's a skill because you just have to practice it word while don't forget the producers talking in your yes. ear to give you notes at the same time right yeah which, which is sometimes so helpful but sometimes you're like dude stop I, I got a thought i gotta get it out you know <laughs> oh my goodness that that was my that was the first whenever i had that happen the first time i was like i was like okay all right so there is a point where your body has to do work while your yeah. brain is doing other work at the same time yes. and as you just said that is truly a skill that once again people who are not in it have no idea how much you have to disassociate your brain from these situations. Um, and, and in doing so has made me more sympathetic to media as I entered into rugby media more and more. For you, like, have you felt like the same? Like, obviously you have, well, no, you've gone through all the levels. So you understand how it goes through. But like, when you look at sports in other arenas, do you c- kind of see whenever audience is talking back or has a problem, you're just like, guys, I... Do, I understand what was going on here, like where this slip up came from. Totally. I think, yeah, I think I, as a, 
as a consumer now have much more patience and understanding. And as I'm, I'm not a seasoned expert by any chance, but I can now pick up on like, oh, the producer's talking because you can tell they're thinking because what they're saying is not quite, they're slowing their cadence down or they're listening. Like you can tell as a broadcaster those things. But I think, you know, um, we just did a production Free Tail Sevens and the, the organizers, Ryan Walker does a great job. Um, and Justin Hale does a great job as well. And they're nice. working to professionalize that tournament and get rosters from the play, the coaches and then have the players actually wear those numbers and then don't change those numbers throughout the tournament because right. we're up there with a printed paper. And I'm saying, DeMonte Noble, former Olympian, you know, whatever. And it's the wrong person. That, right. And you feel horrible as a commentator when in the comments, they're like, that's not Noble, that's whoever, right? Like, And you're like, but... If I don't see these players consistently or they change their hair or they're wearing a scrum cap or whatever, 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 yeah. you know, um, it's very difficult as a commentator. And but then you're inauthentic because you're choosing to not say their name because you're nervous. So then right. you're like they or he or the player and it's right. not an authentic broadcast. Um, so, I mean, we still have challenges out there for sure. And I'm not advocating for less streaming. I'm just advocating for understanding of what the commentators are going through and how much, if you give them the information, they're going to use it. Like if I know somebody's mom is in the audience, I'm going to talk about that all day. Right? right? Like, oh my gosh, she flew here from New York and brought her whole family and loves her son or whatever. Right? Like that is fodder for all day. I can talk about that all day. No, I love that. I love that. And no, a hundred percent with you on that one. Cause that was, an, like I said, another one of those things where, uh, it, it made the the process really difficult at the time because you, you don't know the person. And if the numbers, especially I had one situation where I literally reversed the rosters. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it, it makes it even that much more embarrassing. And you want to give props and flowers to those people because their families almost consistently are watching in some way, shape or form. Absolutely. So uh, so in terms of media development, and this is something that I comes personal to me. As you've been through the process, you've been growing women's rugby media over these 10, almost 15, 15, oh my goodness. Wow, almost 20 years. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, there's always been this question uh, about being able to bring that next generation on. Uh, for me, I found it a little bit difficult because I feel like there's, you know, when we started, obviously it was something that you wanted to do and then you we do everything that we can do to be able to make it happen. There's not the expectation that I have for other people to do it, but it doesn't feel like you have that person that like kicks in. Like I remember Brianna Kim when she had a blog before mm -hmm. she came on to doing it while she was at Harvard, like Harvard, yeah. right? Yeah. While yep. she was at Harvard before she came on as a commentator. And, but that was, you know, in 2015, 2016, but you don't have a lot of those people that pop in for you. What do you think would be like maybe a, a solution or what would you think is a plan to be able to start bringing in more media people in? Because I'm a believer that the growth of rugby happens whenever the voice of rugby gets louder and then it makes the industry of rugby a lot stronger, which makes that grassroots obviously more sustainable. Yeah. And I think, you know, this question is really important because I don't want to be a gatekeeper. I know you don't want to be a gatekeeper. We mm -hmm. want to bring people in. We want to share what we know. We want to share what we love. Right. So I think that this is really important that, uh, you know, if it's commentating you want to do, go get a camera, get a microphone. It could be your iPhone. Put it up. Start talking over it. Right. Word. Like go find a rugby team and do it. Same thing. If you want to be a writer, 
go find your local rugby team and write about them, write about your team, write about whoever you can find, and then just put it out there on the web, like put it on TikTok. Like maybe you don't even write, like writing is a medium that is kind of going away, which is sad, but like put it on TikTok. Um, right. So I think there's, there's opportunity. And I think we can see examples of that. You know, Sam, Sam love it is one Sam love yeah. rugby, right? Like funny videos, like, again, not my skill, not something I'm going to be able to do. It looks inauthentic if I try to be funny. Right. Um, so, but I find you hilarious. When I find you hilarious. Because we're old. <laughs> True story. True story. <laughs> We're still valid, though, dang We it. are. Oh, no, no. All right, all right, look, look, age inflation is a real thing. We still, yeah. we're still very confirmed. But, hey, hey, we got experience. We got experience yes. in life. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, yeah, no, no. I, I, I feel you. I like that. And, you know, again, this is one area that has been really interesting to me because, you know, in, in the times where I've been able to go to the games, and I give a lot of credit to, like, I, I always tell people, like, Laura Gill way back when was one of the first people who yeah. literally allowed me to come to a USA rugby game as a media person. And it's kind of set a ripple effect for where it was being able to go to world cups or at least get the press passes for Olympics and stuff like that. Even though I still haven't been able to go because one thing after another keeps coming up right before it. Positive. Always. Yeah. You know, there's, there's always something, but yeah. you know, uh, I, I always found it interesting how few, especially from the American rugby side, people go to these major events and there's always like, this worry of like can you get in or not and i'm like yo you gotta you gotta at least try but also on the other hand like as you just said we're not we're not trying to gatekeep but we want to be able to teach because there is a pleasure in being able to teach and see how that yeah. can transfer but being able to find those people who would actually be interested in um being able to do that uh i almost sometimes feel like it's like being a ref uh you know mm -hmm. Everybody wants to play. Everyone wants to participate, but it's very difficult to get people to go to that other side uh, unless you incentivize it, you know? Yeah. It's like admins, right? Like trying to find admins on your team right. and have if the club president, like when that election cycle comes up, you don't usually have somebody knocking on the door. Um, but I think it's, it's a combination of things for me. So I think it's succession planning. So if I were to stop YSC, I need to find someone to pass it on to. I don't want it to go away. Right. So I would find someone. Um, so I think that's important, but then bringing those uh, people in, you know, like I was just at the work conference and was just saying, um, did a presentation on digital uh, dominance. So like understanding how you can take advantage of digital media for rugby and it could be for your club yourself. You know, you're trying to build your brand as a referee, like put your videos up on TikTok and let people watch them. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's that thing. You've got to build a team around yourself. No more can and someone do social media for your club by yourself. It's not right. it doesn't exist. You're trying to do match reports. You're trying to do match results, graphics, match reports, like features on players, contact the media. It's way too much. And so we have to be reaching out and finding people to help us do that. And I think it's it's using your network. So your alumni network, you may have somebody that does videography on the side, right? Grab them, have them come do some video at your practices and then encouraging folks to get creative. Um, you know, we've seen these influencers are rising and they're just doing it because they're being brave enough to try something different. And so I think that's really what we've got to encourage. We've got to make space for people and encourage them. And like you mentioned, you know, the first time we went to the World Cup was in 2010. We went to the Women's World Cup in England. And I remember pressing submit for that credentials to, at the time, the International Rugby Board, which is now World Rugby, and being like, there's no way they're going to give us a pass. There's no way. We're like this tiny website, like blah, blah, blah. I have the pass up here. Right. right here. Like, I have it. Like, <laughs> you know, we got one. Like, we got two. Like, yeah. you know, and 
And at the time, there weren't very many people at that, that, that tournament at all. Like, I remember they were like, you're going to be in the press box and there's there's 10 seats, but don't worry, there's only four of you, right? Like, it was so few. And then come 2014, there was double that. And then now at, at New Zealand, we didn't fit in the press box. Like, they had to have us outside. Like, I didn't even sit in the really? press box. I sat outside. So many more people are interested in women's oh. rugby. It's amazing. But this last World Cup, I would say, where we saw influencers. So we saw Stella from the mm-hmm. UK. Um, you know, Ali Donnelly was there, like all these people, they're established rugby people, but then we're starting to see the younger crowd. Um, what's the, there's a young girl on uh, TikTok, Frankie, who uh, she follows the PWR and she does recaps every week. She's like 10 and she interviews players and like does all this stuff. She's awesome. I still haven't met her, but like, she's awesome. Right. And so we've got to make space for those players. She had a press pass, like it's awesome. Like, so I think world rugby needs to keep taking chances, frankly, right? Right. Like, taking chances on these people. And if they've got an established bland, a brand or they're working on establishing a brand, I think that's important um, as well. And then what you're doing, you know, having people on your show and giving them the space to try things out or understand what they want to try to do or get their message out. Absolutely critical. And no, I love that. And, you know, look, I, I I feel like there's something, especially when it comes with the women's rugby side, that has allowed the growth of media to be far more central. And I'm going to throw a, 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 I'm not going to say a theory, a opinion out there that I think uh, is one that's led to probably the higher rate of success that are going on the women's side. But I think for so long, because world rugby and rugby in general always dismissed the women's side for so long, um, that or didn't give it the meaningful attention that it needed. That yeah. the women's side has had so much more opportunity to find itself and create an identity. So whenever it came to, especially the social media side, you know, we saw obviously the rise of uh, of Iliona after 2021, and I feel like that was the first time World Rugby really like, oh my goodness, maybe we should work on influencers. But on the men's side, you don't have that level of uh, um, rise simply because of expectations or the traditionalism that is kind yes. of tricks it and yeah. so on the women's side you see this increase you had tiktok doing the six nations for so long now you had people like sam you just mentioned like four influencers that legitimately have followings on the women's side that i don't think you see on the opposite end which is where i feel like this 2025 rugby world cup has a chance to be probably the biggest game changer of women's rugby i i felt like the only last time it had it was 2017 which i think easily is still my favorite rugby world cup ever like it was a good one had some good was, upsets some really good upsets yeah fantastic yeah. yeah but like i feel like that that element of being able to have uh room to make an identity off of the chaos of not being allowed not given any real resource or attention has been able to uh, uh, improve women's rugby, and I think you'll see a much bigger upside, especially over the next what till 2031. So, over the next uh, 33, I'm sorry, so over the next uh, seven, eight years going yeah. on now. Like, for you do, you, do you feel like that's something that, that's there, even though it's you know, obviously it's an indictment of world rugby that seemed to also work in a fashion that's <laughs> functionally worked because of the women that are in rugby. Yeah, you know, I haven't thought about it like this, Kip, but I think you've hit on something. I think the traditionalism, I think, is possibly what's holding down the the fort there. And I wonder if we look at influencers, and, and especially in rugby, it, it does seem like the women are out front. But I wonder if it's because they can, 
Mm-hmm. Um, they're not uh, stereotyped as much into the roles of male athletes, right? Could be a piece of it. I-, I think this is really interesting. I haven't had a lot of time to think about this, so I'm not sure I have full thoughts yet. No problem. You know, we throw a little, yeah. throw a little feed. We'll, we might be able to, we'll talk about it again in the future. But yeah, yeah. It's, interesting, it, it's something that I, I really noticed. Again, it, it really kicked into me whenever it's not, it wasn't a competition, but whenever Cody, uh, Cody, um, Oh my goodness! Why do I forget his last name all the time? But Cody with the men's Olympics uh, uh, sevens team, USA. Oh yes, team, yeah. And Ilyona were basically going yeah. point for point on TikTok in terms of attention, but Ilyona's ended up taking off, and Cody obviously went to the side. Retired, great dude. Check out his yeah. comment to the people who are listening. You can check out his interview here. But you know, you had that. But I think when that happened, and then the Six Nations TikTok uh, sponsorship for the women's side kicked in. It was almost like the first time, in my opinion, that rugby took a front line on something as opposed to a following line, where I felt like it's been probably a little bit more of, hey, you guys have been doing documentaries? We'll do a documentary. You guys have been doing streaming services? We will. Of course, it's been like two, three years, and everybody's already kind of tired of it, but no, no, we're going to go ahead and go do that. You, You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, and I wonder if it's too, if it's, you know, women are getting their story out there. Yeah. And, you know, like like you mentioned, Alona and then Naya Tapper's had a ton of articles. Jazz Gray had an, an article just on like the Olympic site. Like the, the profile of the women, I think, is getting more attention, which they absolutely 100 percent deserve. And I wonder if that's what's also pushing some of that forward is that we're getting to actually know these players. I mean, we have teams, you know, for the first year, first time this year, they'll have their names on the back of their jerseys in 15 yeah. at the Six Nations. Like Wales has never done that. Right. Like it's a new thing. And like our women's 15s doesn't do it. Sevens does it, but our 15s doesn't, which I think is just such a missed opportunity. Put their name on their jersey and then yeah. sell it to me. Sell it to me. Exactly. Look, this goes back again to what I just said. There's yeah. the get out in front and there's the follow. Like this should yeah. not be. Yeah. yeah. Like not so much on like whatever number you want to wear. I'm not a fan of that for sevens, like but like put their name on the back of the jersey. Right. Yeah. So I think I'm wondering if that's the that's the key. And I mean, a long time ago, I applied for the uh, USA Rugby CMO position, chief marketing officer, and I never was going to get it. But my whole shtick was write articles about these people, all of right. them, the men, the women. Let's understand their background. I mean, you think about those Olympic packages before rugby all the time, right? That it's some ice skater that you've never heard of, but they tell us this story where he trudged through the snow Bleeding yes. skates, blah, blah. And then you're suddenly like, I love him. He's my favorite. Athlete, <laughs> I want to see right? them win. Yeah. They like, and I'll do anything to watch and buy right. his merch and support him. And we've got to do that for rugby. And I think it's happening on the women's side. And right. I'm doing it too. I'm pushing out my Pioneer of the Pitch series. And I, if you haven't seen it, it's awesome. It's on my site. Um, but we've got to build their profile. And I think women are doing it on their own as well which I think is different than the men right now. Yes. And I I think you hit it right there on the head on that one. Um, and speaking of own, I just want to have one more. I uh, want to talk about the WCRA. Um, and uh, really, not so much the history, but how much that has been, um, how that has impacted women's rugby in the U.S. Because I've known about it for several years now and obviously seeing the addition of the backyard agains with Livia Benzon creating and roots rugby with, with the Grambies, Tiana and Kyle and the group as a whole having their, their place in that history. What explain what the WCRA is uh, and then subsequently 
what what that actually means in terms of uh, leading women's rugby and how that you've seen, been able to see that over the time that you've been doing this. Yeah, there was a great video that came out on TikTok or Instagram by AEG Rugby talking about this today. So it's perfect timing for the question. Um, you know, the U.S. Women's Rugby Foundation has been around for a long time. And their goal, you know, starting in the 90s was to support the women's eagles who historically were not supported by World Rugby or USA Rugby. You know, where the men would go to a World Cup and get a huge budget and then the women would get thousands of dollars and that was it and they were like figure it out right like sorry sorry you're fifth in the world but figure it out right yeah. and it's not it's not that much different today it's slightly right. better but so that's where they started so their goal was to raise money for the women eagles and to help them go to training camps and, and pay coaches and things like that and so they did that for a really long time they've had a great uh, tradition of doing that it's a lot of former eagles a lot of former administrators storied women in rugby who literally like ann barry just uh, received an award um, at the conference this year like started usa rugby like was the first female president of usa rugby like such a baller woman like so awesome to talk to her but anyway so then in i think it was 2008 9 or 10 it up so wrcra started the women's rugby coaches referee association i always have to like slow it down and talk <laughs> it out um started and that was to really build on to the foundation which has always been there to help the eagles but to then start developing women's rugby further so yeah. they were um, directly behind the push to get NCAA rugby. They've been in that, the path to 40. They've been involved in that. They are involved in a lot of the WPL planning and um, understanding that league in the beginning. And then they've done this conference now for a couple of years. And I've actually just been talking to the organizers about how the conference has changed a lot to where it was very functionally a conference. Come, learn things, take it back to your club. Very right. uh, tactical and understanding. And now I feel like it's getting more strategic where we're actually having working sessions where we talk about the GUs and the silos and we're like the college silo and the club silo, it's not working. This isn't working. What do we do? And women are, and men, men come too, and we love our allies, come and we sit down and they literally go through points of, of contention and work problems out and make plans. So it's changing from, I would say, a conference where you absorb and take in to like you're mm -hmm. contributing. And you're actually helping drive women's rugby forward. And I think that is so powerful um, that the change that they're having to where I think they should stop calling it a conference and call it like a rugby retreat or a right. rugby event, whatever, right? Like the name needs to um, personify what they're actually doing, in my opinion, a marketing thing, whatever. But I think it's just a great organization. And I think everyone should become a member. Um, you know, they're they're right on that tipping point of 200 members or so, like, let's get to right. 500 members and like, let's build this organization. And then it can be as it was in the past, um, women's admins would get together and build their own leagues. When USA Rugby said like women's rugby doesn't matter, they would do it anyways. You know, like the D2 championship in the 2010s didn't exist. USA Rugby was like women's D2 doesn't need a championship. That's dumb, whatever. They held their own and they organized it. They found their own fields. They got their own trophies out of their own pocket and their own money and put it on. And that's what we're doing now. Right. So we're not feeling that USA Rugby is doing quite enough. They're, right. not, they're not having enough in the game, enough skin in the game. So we're coming together and we're making plans and the colleges are doing it. There's a near competition that does it. We're doing it together. Um, and so we're kind of unionizing, which is kind of nice. cool, I think. Um, and I think we're going to do really great things. And I hope people get involved. No, I love that. I love that's that's amazing. And honestly, it's the most succinct I've been able to have on on an understanding of the total concept. And I, I love it because of the fact that it is one that was done by the people who are directly affected by it. And I've, yeah. I'm a bigger believer that I, you know, when it comes to the governing body, the governing bodies 
I'm almost rugby libertarian. Governing body has the limited element. I just need you to hold the rules, keep the keep the uh, you know the the national team going on best you can. Yeah. No, not best you can. Do it well. Do do that right. one well. <laughs> Men, let's do better. You do right. You know, <laughs> but you know, uh, and then after that, I really do believe that a lot of the autonomy has to go to what's going down in on the ground itself, yeah. and then it can be guided by that higher governing body simply because of the fact they might have clout that allows them to give you more access, but it should yeah. be guidance towards it. So with WCRA, which now I also know women's coaches, referees association, which I, I always miss that. So I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Yeah. I, I wanted to get that, but Wendy, I want to thank you so much again for, for taking the time to be on here and really tell the story and really kind of show what it's, what, what the process has been like. And, you know, I said earlier, you you are legitimately a significant fixture in rugby history as well as American rugby history. And I hope you never forget that uh, because that's, it's a very real thing. Um, is there anything that you feel, is there, is there anything that you uh, can leave us with uh, a lasting impression before we let you go and also let us know where they can find you? Yeah, I appreciate that. That means a lot that you think that I'm such a fixture. I, I you know, I think it comes down to, again, just, the origin. I just wanted to connect people and I still want to connect people. And I think that's really important. And I, I want more people to love rugby and fall in love with it. And so excited for the 2031 and 2033 world cup in the United States. Like, Oh, we have such an opportunity. We are on the precipice of women's soccer back in the nineties when they did it. And we are in such a great place that where we can do so much together. And I think we, that is it. We have to do it together. Um, so I appreciate you giving me a, a spoke uh, an opportunity to speak on this gift and, and some time on your show, which is such a great show. Um, and you can find me uh, ev on everything on YSC Rugby. You'll always find me on those handles and appreciate you um, checking in. Um, we're newly on Spotify and Apple Music, our, our weekly video show on women's rugby. So if you want to check that out too, I think that's exciting. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> oh, man. I'm excited. Thank you again, Wendy. I appreciate you. Same. You're awesome, gift. Wendy. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Thank you so much for telling your story. Thank you so much for being an impact. I'm dead serious about everything that I say. And of course, y'all, thank you for taking the time to listen. Let us know how you feel. And yo, I am continue to be excited to be able to talk to people and bring them to you uh, in a way that might be a little bit deeper than you might get in other places. But y'all, I hope you guys enjoy. Please also check out some of our other podcasts that we've done, episodes that we've done, obviously. We have our news episode that we do every week Wednesday at 5.30 Eastern uh, and of course uh, check out some of our other past uh, um, conversations we had uh, this past week Lance Cavanaugh, we had A.D. Cooney and Ty Lewis uh, of the Pacific Coast Rugby League we had Lance Cavanaugh of Great American Rugby uh, we had um, Craig Dawson, the captain for Prairie View AM Rugby. We had Mike Anderson, president of the James G. Robertson and Clive Sullivan Rugby Foundation. We had Freddie Henry Ajudwa, Nigerian rugby player, professional rugby player. We've had Naya Tapper, captain for the USA rugby team. We have had Blaine Scully, former USA rugby uh, um, captain and rugby world cup participant we've had uh uh 
I'll be uh, just so many people, bro. I, I'm going through. I, I'd be forgetting sometimes, but not really forgetting. Yo, we've got so many people on the list. Absolutely check it out. We want to make sure that you are informed and involved and in, impacted by this sport, y'all. So I hope that you guys take care. And of course, as I always say, I hope that you're happy. I hope that you are healthy. But most importantly, and I'm dead serious meaning, I hope that you know that you are highly favored. Until next time, y'all. Cheers.